another money minute. Today, Qantas plunges to a $2.7 billion loss. A wrap of all the day's results, including West Farmers, Airbnb is set to list on the stock market, and Woolworths looks to build its power by selling groceries to restaurants and other businesses. Great to have your company for another episode. And I want to start today talking about Qantas and the travel industry. A little while ago, I did a podcast asking a pretty simple question. What happens if there is no vaccine in the immediate future? And if borders between our states remain closed for a prolonged period? I do note today that Simon Westaway, the boss of the Australian Tourism Industry Council, is strongly urging the states to have a set plan of when and how borders will reopen. Now, he says that state premiers should not be dictated by public polls. He's saying this, of course, ahead of the Northern Territory and Queensland elections. In other words, he's implying there that the state premiers are certainly dictated to by public polls and by their elections. He also says that all state borders should be reopened after 20 days of no community transmission of coronavirus. And, of course, there are some states right now that do not have any community transmission. Now, the council has also done a study showing the costs of the borders remaining closed. Queensland clearly is the state most affected, and small to medium-sized businesses in this sector are especially vulnerable. But also hurting are the big players in the travel industry. Think of the terrible financial state of our airports or cruise line companies and even hotel chains. But Qantas clearly is the biggest. The last six months have caused the airline's profits to implode It's lost $2.7 billion in the past year, though it should be said that most of this is because of one-off redundancy costs, that's about $640 million, and also massive write-downs of its Airbus A380 fleet, now baking away under the hot suns of the Mojave Desert. But here's Alan Joyce today, echoing those words of Simon Westaway about reopening Australia's state borders. Nobody has an issue with the international borders being closed. That's protected Australia. Nobody's had an issue with the borders to Victoria being closed. But it's very clear that we don't have a clear guidelines for when the borders will open, when they will close. So we have the situation where there are a large number of states and territories that have had zero cases and they're not even open to each other. We think, and I think the federal government thinks, they should be open soon or now. Um, But we need to have the framework for what will allow them to open, to give certainty to the tourism industry, to our company, to our employees. I should say when it comes to opening up international borders, Alan Joyce is more circumspect. But just bear in mind one little thing. In the past month or so, France and other European countries have reopened their borders to Australians because we have had, relatively, so little coronavirus here. The only problem with that is we're not allowed to leave home because of the government ban on international travel. And according to Alan Joyce, that's not likely to be eased up for quite some time. And we believe that the earliest we're going to see the international borders opening up is the middle of next year. The US is like, uh, and, uh, what we've always assumed is that let's get the domestic borders open first, get the rules set around them, and then potentially have the bubbles country by country when we have a similar level of exposure to the virus. The middle of next year, he says. Well, in my opinion, it could be much longer if the great hopes now being pinned on prospective coronavirus vaccine trials end up being more disappointing 
than now hoped by bureaucrats and the community. Let's hope I'm wrong and that these vaccine trials actually are the thing we need to reopen our economies and to allow us to travel again. But do again remember what we told you from the chief executive of Merck that's developed four of only seven successful vaccines in the past 30 years, that he believes politicians telling us that there could be a coronavirus vaccine by the end of the year are doing us a community disservice. Anyway, let's change subjects now. Groceries. I'm all lost in the supermarket. I can no longer shop happily. I came in here for the special offer. past week, there's one transaction that's largely, I think, been overlooked by many people, and certainly, I think, by financial markets, and that is Woolworths, Australia's largest supermarket giant, which has increased its presence, as they say, in the food distribution and services market. It's done this by buying into a company called PFD Food Services. Now, just to give you a little bit of history here, PFD Food Services basically is owned by the Smith family. It was founded a long, long time ago in the Melbourne fish markets. But what it is, is it is basically for like a middleman in the food supply chain in Australia. So today, for example, I went through its catalogue, 50 pages long just for New South Wales. Every major food brand you could imagine is there. Now, if you start to think about the idea that Woolworths, the biggest supermarket chain, owns a chunk and it's actually got an option in three years' time to buy the remaining 35% of this business from the Smith family, is also a significant player in the distribution of food, you understand what a powerful force that will have. Now, the curiosity of this is that Woolworth says that they think that there's enormous growth to be had by starting to supply in different areas. And think about this in schools, uh, in nursing homes, in other areas. So that's where they see growth. But I've got a sense also that others, and in particular, many independent supermarkets might be a little bit worried about that. Now, the person I go to when it comes to the food industry, and I have for years and years, is Cicel Rosengren, who is the Managing Director of Food Industry Foresight, and she joins me now. Cicel, many thanks for your time. Good to speak to you. Okay. Now, I should actually tell a little story to people about this. You and I used to do interviews a long time ago, right? So, And for years and years, years and years, I always presumed that Cecil was French. Now, this is because I'm stupid, right? Cecil Cecil Rosengren. (laughs) Rosengren should be a pretty decent giveaway of a name. But because of her accent, I always presumed that Cecil was French. She's, of course, not. But she she is Swedish by origin and and did some of her education there as well. And so, Cecil, I really appreciate your time. The one thing about Cecil, she not only knows the food industry, but also so for 10 years, was the chair of the board of the Food Service Suppliers Association of Australia. So she knows this space. All right, so Cecil, let's get started. Woolworths acquisition, why is this is so important to, to the food chain in Australia? Well, it is important, particularly to the food service market. So that means your commercial and institutional kitchens all across the country. And we have about 80-odd thousand of those. And it is important because you see that step over from the giant retail supermarkets into what we call the food service market. So that's your uh, restaurant cafes, etc., but also your institutional schools and um, 
long daycare centres, etc. And they have, for a long time, been looking at how can they expand their business outside the retail area. That's why also you saw Woolworths buying up Marley Spoon, but also looking for new revenue streams in the whole food service market. So that is exactly what Woolworths has trained now. They by buying a controlling stake in PFT Food Services, which is one of our four general distributors. Okay, I want you to explain this pretty simply to me because I, I think I missed something here. I can see that Woolworths and Coles and Aldi have these giant distribution centres on the edge of our main cities. And from those, they distribute to their to their supermarkets and they distribute to maybe their online shoppers and all that type of thing. I presumed also, in, in my naivety, I always presumed that those giant distribution centres also serviced schools and, and restaurants and others that might have needed groceries. And indeed, what would happen is that the big food companies, be it Nestle, say, for example, is the one that springs to my mind, would give the food or the product to that distribution centre and then it would be then in turn sent out. But what you're saying, that there's, there's another group of distributors of which PFD Foods is one of those, and they in, indeed have got a big share of the market when it comes to supplying restaurants or cafes or whatever it might be. Yes, that's right. That's a very good summary. No, because if you take the food service market as opposed to the supermarket, you know, there are three consumer markets in terms of in the food industry available to you. So it is the supermarkets, it's the food service markets, and it's the convenience market, which is really straddling both. You know, they're both retail and they do some fast food. So, um, and if you look at the total food supply, in this country, about 65% goes to the supermarket, i.e. from the producers, from the food manufacturers and suppliers. 25% and growing goes into the food service market and about 10% goes into the convenience market. And in terms of distribution on the retail side, i.e. on the to the supermarkets, etc., it's very it's very easy, it's very straightforward. Um, you know, it's supplied into Coles and Woolworths and IGA's distribution centres, etc. But when it comes to the food service market, so your independent cafe owner, your restaurant owner, and we are a country and a market in terms of the food service market where we uh, prefer our independent operators. We're not a chain market like in the US or UK. So in order for the chefs and owners and operators to procure their food and non-alcoholic beverages as well as alcoholic beverages, there is a distribution uh, picture or channels uh, behind them, so to speak. And in Australia, uh, we have six established uh, food uh, distribution channels and so, in other words, it's a very much more complicated and fragmented distribution landscape on the food service side uh, compared to the retail side. Okay. And it basically has always been that way. And our general distributors, which PFD is counted as one of them, there are four of them here, and but still the largest uh, channel are the independent wholesalers and distributors. 
Okay, so right. the the other the other three, and I just note what uh, at least some of them have said to the Financial Review this week. One of them is Countrywide Food Services Distributors. One is uh, NAFTA yeah. Food Service and the distributors. Now, uh, Richard Hinson is the chief executive of Countrywide, and he basically says that uh, Woolworths' expansion of the business-to-business uh, at this time is nothing less than aggressive and opportunistic behaviour at a time when thousands of family-owned food distribution businesses and manufacturers across the country are struggling to keep their heads above water. Make no mistake, this move will limit competition, reduce consumer choice, and reduce the economic contribution of our sector to the local and national economy. Now, if I read this right, what I sense that Woolworths is trying to do, a little bit like, say, I'm at home and I can do an online shop and I can get all that I need in my online shop. The same way if I'm sitting in a restaurant, technically, at the moment, I can go to one of the four major distributors and get my products in there and maybe look at where the products are cheapest and all that sort of stuff. But otherwise, in the future, Woolworths, using its technological um, might and also its financial might, might create a site not dissimilar to its online shopping for for individuals now, could do it for the, the, the business market. And as a result, you could find that restaurants and nursing homes and whatever it might be would suddenly start to order from Woolworths, as distinct from going through those other distributors? Uh, yes, but, you know, it's already happening in the market, Ross. So, you know, this thing about online ordering and so on is something that the other three general distributors are offering, uh, as well as um, many of the independent distributors are also offering that. So it's a fact of the day and development. So, you know... Um, today already we see that march into the food service market of technology and the convenience of online ordering. And you also have to remember that uh, the new generation chefs and food service operators have always lived with um, technology and that's the way they lead their lives, both privately and in business. So because the food service market famously used to be sort of run at the back of an envelope in the back kitchen type thing. And uh, now technology is marching in. And I think that that's a reality for countrywide. It's a reality for everyone out there in the market. And I think there has been some slipping at the wheel by these other three general distributors in terms of the threat, if you like, of online ordering platforms. You know, you already have many of these online ordering platforms in the kitchen uh, with the procurement managers, so to speak, uh, already today. And uh, a food service operator, just an independent operator, would use something like five to six different suppliers, depending on which products you're talking about. Some might have, that's on average, in a commercial kitchen. So... Uh, it's a reality of the day, and uh, you can expect Countrywide to say what he's saying. You know, he's protecting his business. Uh, Countrywide is a group. It's a, it's a distributed group. It's not a company like PFD. The other comparable company like PFD is Bid Food. And you also have NAFTA, which is a distributed group. Okay, so, so then one thing I'm sitting here and thinking about is – the fear that those other distributors would have, I would imagine, is that Woolworths yeah. and Coles have always been known to be pretty tough on suppliers when it comes to the supermarket trade. 
And so yeah. I'm wondering whether their grave fear is whether maybe Woolworths and therefore the food industry at large might be a little concerned about this as to whether their their trading terms might suddenly just get screwed down a little bit as they are in the supermarket game. In other words, if I'm now not only distributing out to uh, restaurants and schools and cafes or whatever it might be, but I'm also doing it on the supermarket side, I've then got a bit more bargaining power over the manufacturers, the food manufacturers, um, to be able to say to them, right, we're distributing here and we're distributing there. As a result, we want your absolute best price, which probably gives them a bit more margin to, to actually squeeze a bit more money out of this business. Well, uh, I'm afraid, uh, and as you say, there is no secret in terms of, and we hear it all the time, in terms of suppliers, small and large, are actually complaining about how they're being squeezed and pressured by Coles and Woolworths in terms of terms and price, etc. And that's no secret in the market. And But it's also no secret in the market that that has been the case for decades. Um, that's been the way that they have experienced NAFTA, Bid Food Countrywide and PFD all of these years. So nothing is really new in that sense. It's only that PFD now has put itself in a better position to compete against the other four general distributors in that sense. So, um, and if you take the total distribution into the food service market, commercial and institutional kitchens, it's a $20 billion market at wholesale level. So that's what its uh, potential market is to all the suppliers and producers. $20 billion. Of those $20 billion, the four general distributors that I mentioned now, they hold a 36% market share. So there is 64% of total food and beverage supply into the food service market in Australia that is held by the independent distributors and wholesalers there is also direct distribution. There is cash and carry component. There's also today already a supermarket component and other retailers. So this is just uh, because both PFD, Bid Food, Countrywide and NAFTA are pretty big uh, giants. They, they do get a lot of attention in the market, but they don't hold more than combined a 36% uh, market share of the total food distribution in this country. And of course, that can be much lower uh, depending on the product category. And it can be higher, of course, in other product category. It varies. You also have to take into consideration that many of the independent um, operators that we talk to all the time, every day, and research and collect data don't always like the big general distributors. They do prefer their local distributors and wholesalers because the food service market in Australia is still really, really run on the basis of personal relationships. And we see particularly in difficult times like the market is experiencing now, we see... Uh, even more of that kind of personal relationship coming back into play when you order your supplies because you want to know uh, what the meat looks like. You want to do get the best price possible. 
and you have your uh, preferred sales reps, etc., because they understand your business. Because the food service market and the needs and requirements of the food service operators are vastly different. Uh, it's a totally different game than what you see on the retail side. I'll tell you what, Cecil, it's a fascinating yeah. it's a fascinating story I've got to tell you because you can understand in some ways it's a fragmented industry as you've made the observation and it's also a situation where even in regional areas, in the country areas where there are family-owned distributors out there doing the job, it really is going to make it uh, potentially very tough for them if Woolworths comes in with any scale. The other thing I also note, of course, is the, the big bounce in the Woolworths share price, which in uh, late May was sitting around about, well, 30 $34, now jumped to $40.58 on strong results and strong consumer buying as well. So it's in pretty good yeah. nick, notwithstanding uh, the coronavirus downturn. It has rebounded in a, in a significant way. And of course, it has the financial muscle right now to be able to enter this yeah. space. Tell you what, good to have a chat to you, Sissel, because you've explained that brilliantly for me. The Managing Director of Food Industry Foresight, and the person I go to when the food industry stories are around the place. We've known each other for ages and ages. Uh, and Sissel, I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Russ. Here's what else is happening. Apple, which has seen its stock price double since its lows early in the pandemic, is the first US company to top $2 trillion in market value. $2,000 billion. It's a lot of money. Airbnb, now the name ubiquitous for renting out the front bedroom of your house, says it will list its shares on the US markets. Afterpay shares here keep rising, now above $81, as it says losses, which were $44 million this year, will be paired back. Also, one of the world's largest pathology groups, Sonic Healthcare, said people stayed away with fears of COVID-19 restrictions. Full-year profit there was down 4%. And depending on how you look at it, West Farmer's result was either terrible, a 69% fall in net profit to $1.69 billion, but that included $800 million in write-offs, or brilliant, because underlying profit was super strong. And that's because we've all still been shopping at Bunnings Warehouse and Officeworks. My tip, just keep looking at the underlying profit. So that's it for the Money Minutes for today. Many thanks for your company. And again, your feedback is always welcome. I'm Ross Greenwood, and these are the Money Minutes.